Hello and welcome to the Power to Thrive podcast. This is the show that helps you overcome the barriers you have to becoming the best version of yourself and thriving in all aspects of your life. I am your host, Annie Brieu, and I'm here to help you uncover your ultimate truth and cheer you on on this journey we call life. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Power to Thrive podcast. I am your host, Annie. Today we have a really exciting episode where we're going to be chatting about overcoming childhood trauma. I have invited my friend Jill who is going to be debriefing, going in, and kind of explaining everything when it comes to childhood trauma. I think that, you know, if you're a person that has a childhood, then you've probably had some trauma. And a lot of the times people feel really personal when it comes to childhood trauma, but I think that it's something very normal and it should be really normalized. So I'm excited to dive in and chat with her in regards to how she's overcome it, how she feels about it, and tips and tricks when it comes to dealing with your own trauma. So welcome, Jill. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, excited to, you know, talk about my experience with trauma and like you said, so eloquently really just normalize it. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Okay, so let's start off. Um, you know, I kind of want to go in and explain, like, obviously why I decided to have you on here to chat when it comes to trauma. Um, but, you know, what kind of trauma have you experienced, if you're okay, to kind of open up in regards to that? Um, and a little bit, yeah, about you and that. So for myself, I, I guess to compartmentalize the various types of trauma I experienced in my childhood, there was definitely physical abuse. Um, There was also emotional um, and psychological abuse. Uh, Substance abuse was also in my household. So Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily, you know, directly causing trauma, but definitely had an impact on Uh, the relationship I had with my parents and I think impacted certainly the way they behaved in many ways. I think that this is, you know, um, a lot more normal than what people think. You know, we were very much raised, I mean, you're a millennial like me, border millennial, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that our generation was kind of raised to, you know, pretend like none of this really happened pretend that this is not okay, that this is not really a thing. Um, And so, I mean, if you're someone that's listening and you've kind of experienced any of these things, like it's really important to know that you're not alone, that these are things that I think the majority of people really have kind of gone through and have experienced in their life. Totally. And I remember, you know, when we began to have this conversation, it was really talking about... um, as family, the family structure. And the reality is if your parents themselves had trauma and didn't resolve that trauma or find ways to manage that trauma, that in fact, they will often pass it on. So, you know, I think it's really common for there to be, you know, especially with millennials, like if we look at who our parents were and our grandparents were, you know, there was world wars that were a part of their, their history. So, I think what's really important is to understand that this is not about anybody being a bad person. It's the reality of hurt people hurt people, unfortunately. 
and, you know, understanding our parents are just humans as well and they make mistakes, but it's also important to find ways to move forward and heal and recover as a human from these experiences. Okay. So I would love to know how did you respond to this trauma um, and how this affected you? So I would say initially my response was, you know, avoidance or this pretending that this isn't really happening. um, This is not a part of my story, really kind of closing off. Uh, I started a path of really avoidance and really running away from these experiences Uh, not introducing people to my family or inviting people into my household because it didn't feel like a safe place. So I think certainly as a friend, I probably was viewed as being a bit more closed off or that there was barriers or walls. It certainly impacted the relationships I entered into with the opposite sex. Uh, I definitely had low self-confidence and a low self-worth. So I certainly didn't value myself the way I should have and you know, allowed people space in my life that certainly, you know, in hindsight didn't deserve that space. And I think a lot of it was also, you know, poor coping mechanisms. So I responded by, you know, starting to drink and starting to dabble in smoking weed and, um, you know, just ways to slightly escape the feelings that I was having. Um, And with those behaviors came, you know, Things that once brought joy to me or that I enjoyed, I started to withdraw from. So, you know, I was quite competitive in soccer growing up. And when I was, you know, mid-high school, I really started to step back from all of that. Um, So, you know, big warning signs is like if you once enjoy these behaviors, these things that bring joy to you and you no longer want to be a part of these things anymore. I think that that's a huge warning sign. Like your character is being influenced and changed by these events. So there was a lot of different kind of impacts. And it's funny at the time I was just in fight or flight mode. There wasn't a realization that I in fact was being impacted. I thought I was acting out of free will and making logical decisions. I was of course an adolescent. So I'm not sure how logical your decisions are at the best of times, but yeah, there was definite behavioral changes and certainly um, withdrawing from just forming close connections. I I definitely kept people at, I think, an arm's reach and only shared what was great about my life, wouldn't go into detail, really hiding the reality that was happening behind the scenes. So when did you first start to recognize that you had some trauma. It's interesting because I think I very early realized something wasn't right or there was something I needed to hide or that, you know, what was going on in my home was not necessarily, you know, what was society's norm. Um, But as far as noticing like the impact or the trauma it was causing me, I don't think I really came to that realization till probably my later 20s when I really started to slow down and spend time with myself and start self-reflecting, I think I did a really great job of keeping myself busy, um, traveling and social engagements. And then really as life started to slow into a bit of a schedule and a norm and I had more gaps in those times, 
I had to really sit with who I was and who I had become as a person and started to realize that, you know, these characteristics I saw in my parents that were so quote unquote ugly or that I was dissatisfied with viewing in them that had imprinted on me, that I was in fact impacted by those. So, you know, what I once viewed as you know, their problem or their issue was in fact something that had become a part of myself, you know, realizing I had a temper and that was something I never, I think, stuck around with people long enough to realize was an issue. You know, romantic relationships were not something I really went deeply into. And it's only when I started to engage in like long-term relationships that I realized oh, you know, I can manage this when I see people for short bursts of time or, you know, manage this when I'm in a good headspace and, um, you know, when the relationship is positive, but relationships are hard. And when things get stressful, that is really when you see kind of people's true colors. And I started to notice in myself, hey, got a bit of a temper, wonder where that came from you know, my emotional control or regulation was certainly not in a place where I was proud of. And, and I think it was at that like distinct moment where I realized this wasn't just something that happened to me. This has become a part of who I am and I'm responsible to make changes moving forward. Now, I guess I want to say what has helped you, you know, from healing from this, but also, I mean, you talk about being in these longer relationships did you at any point find that it was anybody else that also helped you kind of heal from these situations well I would say first of all you know we talk about healing I'm still healing and overcoming this trauma I'm still you know learning myself and trying to work on becoming a better version of myself and it's a practice And I would say as far as, you know, relationships, I started to be honest with the people around me and allow people to see a vulnerable side of me, something that I was previously, you know, terrified to do. And I think by showing my vulnerability and, you know, with my husband, he was one of my, you know, first romantic partners that really showed that, you know, you can have crap about your family and they can still be wonderful people. Um, you can have things in your past you're not proud of, but that doesn't define who you are. And, you know, by him showing me his, like I say his uglies, but I mean this in the most endearing way, by him showing his ugly, I, it, it gave me an opportunity to share the whole version of myself, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And allow myself to recognize these pieces of myself and work on them in a place where I felt safe to do so. Um, And I think that goes down to, you know, unconditional love. I I think I, I struggled a lot with feeling that I would only be loved if I presented in a certain way, you know, if I behaved in a certain way, or, you know, if I was agreeable, um, you know, learning that it was okay to say no to things and that people would still love me knowing that I could, be a a mess and there would still be that person beside me you know not condoning my behavior but also you know showing me empathy and understanding 
I think that that's been, you know, huge and leaning into that source of support and being okay with we're all a working progress and I don't have to be perfect to be loved. I just have to show up and be myself. Um, it kind of leads into like that idea of perfectionism. That's been something that I think developed very early on in my childhood and, uh, bit by bit, I'm trying to dismantle this idea of being a perfectionist. I think it's a struggle because I think our society in some ways, um, rewards you for being a perfectionist, but you know, on the back end or the, you know, being the person who's trying to be perfect, it's exhausting and, uh, you come to realize that you're stealing your own joy from just living in the present and enjoying and showing up and, you know, doing the best you can in the situation, but also being open to learning and growing and not then expecting others to be perfect either. Something I'm still certainly working on. I, I still kind of c- catch myself in that pitfall of, you know, wanting things to be just so. Um, and I think that that again goes back to just feeling if as a child, if I behaved in a certain way, I could avoid repercussions or, you know, have avoided circumstances that were less favorable. But the reality is like we are humans and we are going to make mistakes and that's okay. And we will still be loved despite those mistakes. So, so what are some things that you've implemented in your life in order to stop the cycle? Wow. So I guess for me, A big thing has been just honesty, um, leaning into my friendships and sharing when I'm feeling a certain way, when I'm struggling, um, you know, unpacking experiences that I have, you know, even with my partner, you know, having, having that space to say like, Hey, like, let's come back to how, how we behaved or acted in that moment and talk it through. So, you know, I think reflection has been a huge piece and reflecting, on how I behave and how I wish to behave and what I can change. So I think just being more mindful and present in those instances, um, as well, I would say for myself, it's been educating myself. So, um, you know, leaning into various resources online, watching videos on YouTube and that may sound, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of information out there and you have to be careful for sure about what you, um, see as fact or true, but it's been really helpful in just understanding, you know, why I may feel the way I feel and drawing connections sometimes quicker than I might be able to do so on my own. Um, and I would also say for me, it's been setting up boundaries. So, uh, boundaries were something that were, I would say probably non-existent for me in many instances. So, you know, learning the power of, of saying no, um, you know, knowing that it's okay to express my feelings and I should feel safe in doing so. Um, and I think for me, you know, understanding what my limits are and that's okay. Um, but also sometimes, you know, when we talk about boundaries, this idea of like them not being too rigid, there being flexibility, there being a willingness to grow and adapt and evolve. So I think it's, you know, finding my, my peace, finding a place where I feel surrounded by love, um, able to express myself. And again, like just that educational component of, you know, my friends who, who are seeking out therapy at present, like talking to them and learning from their experiences. You know, 
I think that's the beauty of females. We naturally, I think, do talk more about how we're doing and how we're feeling. And um, for a long time, I didn't tap into that source of support. And I'm, I'm really doing a better job at doing so now. And I guess the last component I want to share is, for me, it's self-care. So finding things that are just for me and for no one else. Um, you know, I'm re-finding a love for physical activity. And for a long time, um, you know, sports were such a source of joy for me growing up. And then they became less joyful. They became more stress-induced. And then it took me a while to come back to this place of, really respecting my body and doing things that feel good and having a healthy relationship with working out or being active or anything of that sort. So yeah, it's really been a combination of many variables. And uh, again, I'm still on this journey. So, you know, still looking for other avenues of ways to support my recovery. I love that. Um, Now, Uh, This is important to kind of note. I think that a lot of the times people have a really hard time kind of recognizing, you know, they might realize that they have experienced a significant amount of trauma in their life, you know, whether it's any form of abuse or anything throughout their life. But sometimes people have a hard time actually recognizing how this might actually develop in their lives whether they are, you know, acting out in a certain way, whether they you know, I don't even want to get into detail because then it could be anything, any part of your life that, you know, you might be unhappy with or feel as though that you're out of control. What would you, you know, say to somebody that is in the midst of just trying to kind of figure that initial portion out? I think first and foremost, just be curious. So I think judgment has like a really poor stigma. So I like to say like, observe yourself and kind of you know, in different situations, really, what is your gut reaction? Um, Are there triggers? Are there things that really seem to bring about a real strong emotional reaction that perhaps don't, doesn't seem common or, you know, is something about yourself that is potentially a a red flag or something that's alerting you to an underlying issue? Um, I would say as well, if you're interested, you know, seeking out some sort of therapy and, and knowing that it doesn't necessarily mean that you have, it's part of your journey. You're not meant to have all the answers, all the tools, all the tips and tricks. Like there's a reason there's resources available because again, it's a practice, it's a journey and it's not linear. So I think, you know, identifying at some point if if you're kind of have gotten yourself to furthest along that you think you can individually do so that you know there is there are resources and support and I think you know finding someone who you love and trust that might be able to provide you with some feedback as well and being open to that feedback I think it's very important to enter into that conversation in a place where you are open and willing to receive perhaps some critical feedback, um, to be aware of like, what is the impact your actions are having on others? Um, you know, I think it's also, if you have a sibling or you, you know, do you have a relationship with your parents rehashing maybe some memories? It can be painful, but I think it also can be um, exploration of your, your history or your past and help you maybe understand where some things began. 
Um, so yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it's really just being a learner of yourself. Like we educate ourselves in so many ways about the world around us, but it's so important for us to really look at, you know, you, who you are and, um, be curious as to why you present the way you are and also feel empowered that you don't have to be that person all any, anymore if you don't wish to be you can change your narrative you can continue to evolve and adapt uh, so yeah I think it's just important to to be curious when you identify things that you're perhaps saying hmm this isn't this isn't the version of myself I want to be this is not you know some, some way I would like to treat the people I love or treat myself if you ever have those feelings become curious as to why. Amazing. So what would you say are, you know, specific things that you could recommend to anybody, you know, once they've kind of recognized that they've got this trauma, they see the way that they are reacting due to this trauma. What would you say would be the next steps to kind of follow? I know that you know, people kind of feel stuck. They know that they can talk to other people. They know that they should be, you know, doing X, Y, and Z, but mentally, physically, they don't feel able to do so. How could you guide somebody in that situation? I think it's tough. It's definitely individual. I would say first and foremost, if you are feeling unable to make a move, probably the best thing you can do is reach out for professional support. And I say that because, you know, they will help develop the t- like tools and strategies for you to start on your journey. But, you know, I think another big piece when we talk about recovering, once you've identified like there is an issue, I think journaling is really a great, a great behavior. Um, I do a gratitude journal and really for me, that's more of a focus on how can I make every day as positive as possible? How can I really set great intentions for the day, start my day off on the right foot? Um, But I think it's also when we talk about journaling, this idea of journaling um, experiences throughout the day, or, you know, if you notice something really triggered and upset you, sitting down to write down what that triggering event might've been and how you would have liked to react in the future. What could have you done to behave in that way or, or react in that way? For me, I think a big thing is not reacting, um, giving myself the time for the emotional reaction to pass by and an intellectual reaction, a response, not reaction rather, to occur. So, you know, I find in instances where I get potentially triggered that it's usually best for me to take some deep breaths, step away for a minute, um, really digest why I'm feeling the way I am so that I can respond in a way that's not violent. And when I say violent, I mean just like any sort of communication that would generate an argument or create, you know, this environment of hostility. Um, And I think, you know, what I also would say is I think fear holds us back a lot or fear of judgment. Um, but the more you exercise the opening up, like the more you really take that leap of faith 
to be vulnerable and you find a positive experience in it, the easier it becomes. You know, the first time you tell your story, the first time you talk to someone about, you know, what your experience has been or, um, you know, the challenges you're facing, it can be really scary. But I think through that connection, you will be rewarded. Like you realize that, again, the people you surround yourself with hopefully are there to love and support you. And certainly there's going to be instances where that's not the case. But I I think it's really important to be mindful that the people you spend your time with, if you don't feel you can be open and honest with them, if you feel that there is going to be judgment with what you're sharing, perhaps reconsider those, those, those relationships or, you know, uh, establish boundaries with those relationships. Um, but I think really the biggest thing is, is once you've identified, you have to also be willing to do the work. It's not going to be easy. These are, you know, maladaptive behaviors that have developed over the course of a lifetime. You're not going to get it right the first time. You're probably going to maybe get it right the 15th time, and then you may falter on the 16th time. So the reality is you have to just be uh, kind to yourself and, and give yourself some grace to understand that this is a practice. This is, you know, maybe the first time you say no, it feels absolutely terrible. But as you continuously say no to things that don't serve you, you will see the reward. So again, it's, I think, just being aware that it is going to be work. It's probably in some regard easier to stay stuck, but uh, you're not going to live this fulfilling life you wish to live. So, you know, I I encourage people just choose happiness, choose recovery, choose, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, because yeah, it might take some time to get there, but it will be so rewarding. Your energy is so valuable And you have to be really mindful of how you spend or expel your energy. So, you know, know that you're worth putting the work in in, um, and just do it. All right. I think that it's important to bring up dealing with people that have experienced trauma. I think that, you know, you are somebody who, you know, over are overcoming a lot of childhood trauma, but you've also been somebody that has dealt with people that you know, in relationships or not, um, you know, that have had significant childhood trauma. And I mean, I personally know that it's not easy to deal with. I know that, you know, especially my partner has had some (laughs) bumps in the road, if you want to call it that when it comes to, you know, handling my trauma, but, um, yeah, let's, let's chat about that. I know that you've got a lot to say, and I'd like to also know your input when it comes to just you know, dealing and also keeping in mind specific things. So this is going to sound so cheesy, but the the analogy that they always say on the airplane about the idea of putting your own oxygen mask on before you put an oxygen mask on someone else. Um, But it so rings true, this idea of, you know, supporting somebody else as they're recovering from their experiences. You can only effectively do so if you yourself are caring for yourself. Um, you yourself are working on your journey of recovery, um, or in a place where you can be that pillar of support and to listen without judgment. 
you really have to be in a good place. And I think it may seem very difficult, but we have to be very mindful of when we are at a capacity to support someone and when we're not at a capacity to support someone. And I think speaking that truth as well, being comfortable to say, you know, I really want to support you through this, but I had a really tough day and I'm not sure I can give you the undivided attention and support you need. How about we revisit this at such and such date or agree upon a time where you know you're really going to be able to be that source of support. You know, I would say this is more in instances where someone really needs to vent to you or share with you. You have to be in a place where you can effectively listen and be open to that sharing, um, not insert yourself in it or, um, you know, cast judgment. I would say a big piece is, yeah, empathy and understanding when you do engage in those conversations and understand that people as they're still working through things are, you know, maybe not going to say the right thing at the right time. Um, they may be, you know, transferring some of this worry or stress or these past burdens on you. And it's important for you to, you know, show understanding and empathy as, as this person's doing this, but also to, um, you know, hold people accountable. Uh, you, you don't have to be someone else's punching bag for, you know, lack of a better way of putting it. It's important for you to also hold your loved ones accountable to say, I, I can see you're hurt. I can see you're really struggling, but it really hurts me when you speak to me this way, or it really hurts me when, you know, um, you, you storm around or whatever. Is there something I can do to support and help you? So, you know, really identifying the emotion you're seeing in the other person, but also, you know, you have to set, um, I would say like rules of engagement, like ways that you will accept behavior from one another. And, um, you know, I think it's easier said than done, but I think, you know, for a healthy relationship with anyone, there has to be a healthy boundaries and understanding what's acceptable and what's not acceptable communication. And, um, you know, I, I think for, for me, what I've learned also with my partner is he doesn't need me to be a fixer. He doesn't need me to fix the situation. He often just needs me to listen. Um, and I think it's important to be clear on what the need of the partner is. Uh, are they wanting you to cast some sort of solution or, or you know, put together some sort of uh, next steps? Or are they just really wanting to debrief with you, share how they were feeling, and for you to just listen actively and show your support? Um, I think, you know, all too often we maybe assume what the other partner needs, uh, and it's really important to, you know, ask, ask questions and, you know, ask the person what they, what you, what they need. Um, and again, I say this is, is super individual. It's important for you to just have open and honest conversations about what each other have experienced, what your needs are, what certain triggers are you know, and again, that will come with time and through understanding yourself and understanding your own triggers. But I think it's important to communicate that to your partner. So, you know, perhaps they can be attuned to times where you might feel a little flustered or bothered. Um, I think it's important as you learn each other to learn those cues, um, and also learn how to kind of best, best support them in the way that they need and not what you think they need.
just to kind of go off, wrap a little bit of this up, what would you say are the biggest takeaways out of all of this? Because I know, you know, as someone being, you know, have gone through trauma, hearing all of this, it's like, where do I even start? If there was something that you could kind of say to somebody like, you know, obviously you can't say step one, step two, but if they were to start, like, where can you start when it comes to this? I think you start by feeling and allowing yourself to feel. I think you have to, in some ways, mourn the loss um, or, you know, extend an arm or a hand to to that child who didn't feel all their needs were met or did feel let down. I think, you know, allowing yourself to feel is super important. Um, and then once you kind of get past, you know, feeling and really expressing, you know, the, the hurt that you have, I think it's really important to, you know, move to action. So to understand, you know, what am I going to do with this? The reality is I could carry this with me forever, but what purpose is this serving? So I would say really it's just understanding what level of trauma do you have? Do you need a professional to step in? You know, um, how I say how serious is the trauma in the sense of, you know, um, do do you have suicidal thoughts? Is there, you know, depression? Is there anxiety? Are there medical issues that potentially need medical support? Um, you know, it's important to identify when something's within your scope of control and when things have become to the point that it is a mental illness. This isn't just, you know, um, I'm struggling because of my experience. It's I'm, you know, disabled by my experience at this point. Um, but if it is at a point where you feel you can manage it again, I would say for me, it was starting to talk about it, starting to tell my truth and through it, it almost in a sense lost the like shame that was associated with it or this feeling of it was my fault or, I'm, you know, disrespecting my family by airing out their dirty laundry. It was like, no, I have to speak this truth so that I can move forward and now write the new narrative. So again, I think for everybody, it may be different, but for me, a huge first step was just, you know, uh, addressing the elephant in the room of perhaps why I behaved in ways that were, um, uncharacteristic or things that I wasn't proud of why I, I behaved in that way. Um, and I would say, you know, once again, once you've spoken about it, educate yourself, what types of communities are out there? What type of information can you gather, um, you know, to enact a plan of action and like, how can I right the wrongs or how can I move forward in a productive manner? Um, like I said, I think it's really important to just sit with yourself um, I know that can be very uncomfortable at the beginning, but really learning to observe yourself in moments of weakness and understand that it's okay to be imperfect, but also that we should be continuously striving for betterment. Um, and really just wanting everybody to know like you're not you're not alone 
And I think the more that we talk about this, the less maybe stigma there will be, the less fear and opening up there will be. And I truly believe there will be like recovery. Um, we can, you know, not perpetuate this for our children. And, and I think it's really by knowing yourself. The better you know yourself, the better you're able to develop skills and strategies to play to your strengths and also overcome those weaknesses. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming and being so open and honest. I know that this is not an easy subject to kind of, you know, come and open up about. So I really appreciate you coming. Um, Is there anything else that you kind of want to add to finish this off just to thank you for having me and also you know just to say to all of your viewers would they be called viewers audience Audience. no idea (laughs) anyways to all of you beautiful people that like you are enough and you matter and that I I just encourage everyone to choose a life of happiness and know that every day you can write this new narrative Every day you can be a better version of yourself and no, it's not going to be easy. There's, you know, there's going to be work in it. There's going to be setbacks, but at the end of the day, I just hope that everyone feels that perhaps in some way I've shared something about my experience that resonates with you. Um, and again, just to say like, you have, you have a, a a, a community of people who feel the exact way you feel Uh, you just have to be be vulnerable I think that's your greatest strength 